0: Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, and welcome to Game of Nodes, everybody, the podcast about the cosmos from independent validator teams. On this week's episode, we have a few of our members that are down uh, with probably cosmos induced fatigue. Uh, So we're expecting um, some drop ins a little bit later on. but we've reached out to fill our panel and we've got uh, Demi here today to join us. Thanks for coming, Demi, on uh, incredibly short notice. I think we only just realised that um, a lot of people weren't available this morning for various reasons. I think um, Alec, well, the Frey has been uh, working quite hard on the um, upgrades and, and the uh, testing on Scotty. Uh, so I think he's a little bit um, worn out at the moment. And Jabby is deep in data, uh, and I don't think he can pull himself away. Um and and then we've got uh oh Jack has showed up.
1: Okay. Hey, hey,
0: hey, (laughs) mate. So we're just talking about our lack of people today, but uh, you know, four's good too. So um I think we can expect potentially block pain to drop in a little bit later. Um and I'm not sure who else said they were coming, but uh oh yeah, uh I'm not sure if I mentioned Usurper. he's uh, he's pretty crook at the moment, so he won't be coming. And, um, yeah, so welcome everybody. And I think we usually start with a question, right, Schultzy?
2: Yeah, though, to be honest with you, I can't think of an example of the dumbest thing that happened this week. Oh, we've got caught on? I mean... You've got a selection, you know, you've got, what, Prompt 19 to work with, you've got other but bits and bobs, but I don't know, that, that feels kind of unsatisfying and played out at this point.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I don't really like to talk too much anymore about the old Prop 16 and all the subsequent props. That stuff just going play, play itself out. Yeah, the Troubles. We should, we should just start calling it the Troubles. I, I like that better. We just, like, jam our head in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs>
1: until it comes time to vote <laughs> you've got ostriches down there right uh we have emus emus yeah tasty tasty little, tasty little fuckers i do like emu jerky
0: really i've never i've <laughs> never partaken in uh emu jerky i've only seen that they chase people and it doesn't
2: look like fun so i try to avoid that. <laughs> no, uh, I'm loosely aware of Australia going to war with the emus, but that's about as far as my knowledge goes about it. Yeah, so that was way back in the day. We had, like,
0: the emu war. Um, And I can't remember what exactly that was about, but there was a lot of emus, and they came to town. And I think they either had to all get murdered or hunted out of town. But we've got, like, camels, armies out in the outback in Australia. There's just, like, just... Camels, man, everywhere. There's just so many of them because they survive really well in the Australian desert. And in um, droughts, like when there's no rain for a long time, they uh, all decide to go to town, and uh, that can get quite um, bad as well. So, so uh, Jack, what is the the dumbest thing, or you know, something notable for, of that you've seen in the cosmos this week? You got anything there
1: to oh. add? I mean, I'm just if you see me looking down, I'm trying to submit a proposal to Crescent so that I can claim the rest of my airdrop. Um, so if you're asking about real dumb things, that that's probably one of them. Um, let's see. What else is going on in the cosmos? Having to submit the prop was dumb, that, that there was none available to claim your airdrop? Yeah, I think that's dumb. But also having a governance proposal whose purpose of which is only to vote to claim airdrop is like that okay um it anyway. is it's it's not the first network to do it <laughs> Star, stargaze stargaze had them numbered they uh, had like the, four or five of them <laughs> yeah i think uh i think it was like
0: one what, what was it like one of uh one of shiltsy do you remember who was submitting those block pain was like someone was just like one after the other submitting those bloody things um, every time know. they ran out. And so now my, my voting history is terrible on Stargaze because I kept missing
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about Stargaze, but I know on, on, on Loom, on um, WhisperNub submitted something like 30 proposals on there to keep the airdrops going. So it looks absolutely ridiculous on that blockchain right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's really um, funny. Todd, you seen
0: anything dumb this week, man?
3: Yeah, I, uh, I botched a proposal this week hey oh, okay, cheers we've, we've all been there yeah yeah so yeah, sorry. What,
0: what what were the particulars of this proposal oh,
3: yeah, you know we, we just wanted to raise the minimum proposal fee on Cerberus, uh, and uh, huh. uh the description didn't match the the actual parameters because we decided to change it at the last minute and it was, oh that was the uh
0: the hundred million versus the 150 million
3: yeah,
0: something or ten versus fifteen. Yeah, so. I, I saw I saw someone else who botched a, um, a proposal where uh, I think they meant to say the word million a few times, but said the word billion instead. Uh, and do you do you know what I'm talking about, Chiltsy? That I can't remember. what Maybe it was Cerberus as well, or
2: I think that is uh, Cerberus. I think it was for the osmosis uh, matching external incentives where Cerberus meant to put like 1.75 billion total and instead added up to something like, Oh, I don't know, like 800 billion. Five something 500
1: and uh, 750 and one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Billion. Yeah. Todd, you're, you're in good company. If you go look at the cosmos hub, we have a few, I remember Zucky and I put up a few failed proposals. I was just looking at the vote history on Midscan and, uh, there's proposal number two, Atom transfer enablement, which got which failed because we did it wrong. And then proposal number three passed. And then we have a Cosmos Hub 3 upgrade proposal on there. Um, and my absolute favorite one is there's upgrade proposal A, upgrade proposal B, upgrade proposal D, and upgrade proposal E. And if you will notice... Um, only one of those actually worked. So uh, the first time we tried upgrade proposals in prod, we had, we had tried five times. <laughs> I
4: remember that.
1: <laughs> I felt like oh, such man. an idiot. It was uh, not a fun couple of days of work. That is a little bit out of control. Yeah. Um, oh,
0: someone's like, uh, yeah. So, Dimmy, uh, do you have anything uh, dumb that you've seen this week?
4: Uh, no, nothing particular came to my mind.
0: No? All right. Uh, I'm usually the same way. I'm like,
1: oh man, it's like on the spot. I can't remember anything. But Dini's, this way, he's just like living that cool hacker house life. He's just like, yeah, man. Deep, deep in it, Fish hacker house. Yeah. I'm closing, closed here building. So, <laughs> I, keep, I can I keep see imagining the that I'm there. Reflection. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Every time you post pictures, I'm like, oh, fuck, that looks great. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Where is that at? Don't dox yourself. Palm Springs. <laughs> Palm, Springs.
2: Yeah, Palm Springs. Palm Springs.
0: Somewhere in Palm Springs.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Palm Springs.
0: You don't want DJs knocking on your door, man.
2: Can I, can I see the pool?
0: Um, <laughs> 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 I've come to clean the pool. <laughs> um i what have i done this week so uh i botched an upgrade this week on dig uh oh fun yeah well so I, te- I tend to not um do the copy paste when i do upgrades i tend to like type it in um i don't know it's good practice to type things in and um what happened on dig i i
1: like I think things in too.
0: Well, I did a typo, I think, because uh, I used I used CosmoVisor on Dig, uh, and this is one of the reasons I don't like CosmoVisor. I one of, um, one of the many reasons to not yeah. like
1: CosmoVisor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you get like sniped all the time with uh, CosmoVisor. But anyway, so I was I had planned to be out that day, and no one else was available. So I did a um, uh, you know, so I pre-set up the upgrade, but I had a typo in the bloody um directory and uh so when it came time to do the upgrade obviously couldn't find the binary and freaked out um but i was able to get to a terminal and repair it before we had uh all the votes to start up so i I didn't miss a block but i still botched it so that was pretty dumb perfect yeah i guess uh but it's hard to be there for every upgrade it's hard to have someone available for every upgrade Um, and
1: lately there's been a lot of upgrades It is, uh, this is like one of the reasons why we're trying to hire at Strange Love is to make sure that we don't have to have some
2: kind of on-call rotation. Um, Yeah, that's a tough one. Wait, hold on. What do you mean you don't have an on-call rotation? How would you get around that?
1: How would you get around that? I mean, we do have an on-call rotation right now. There's like two people on the validator. But generally, um, because like... All of the uh, all of the time, like the the slashing times are like eighteen hours. I don't wake myself up if our validator is down. I'll like wake up and I'll be like, oh, it's been down for eight hours. Like, uh, okay, time to recover the validator. So this is why we don't do it on call rotation, Chelsea. <laughs> okay i'm picking up what you're putting down (laughs) believe it or not um when we were doing the parameters for the cosmos hub um everyone was like so like what should we do this miss blocks thing like should this be like a thousand should this be like ten thousand should this be like a hundred thousand i was like well like what's a short amount of time that allows somebody to like sleep for eight hours and then wake up and have a reasonable amount of time to recover the validator really somewhere around 18 hours, we're like, yeah, oh, great, cool, good. <laughs> I think that in terms of decentralization of the validator set, that's one of those like underappreciated really important variables. Cause if it was only an hour, like you would really have to have an on-call rotation and it would be a lot harder. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's how we do a shelf save. 28% vote
3: power, right?
4: Yeah.
0: What was that, Todd? Your microphone's a little bit quiet today, Todd. Yeah. You know If there's any way to like I'm trying to get out
3: of the brutal light here, so I'm sitting back from my mic. Um, yeah.
0: You look like uh, you look like one of those dudes, like you know when they're doing the the anon hacker video and they've got like the light on their face.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 all fine and good unless you've got a validator with you know twenty eight thirty percent vote power and they go down for 10 hours that is true i i I wish we had that problem with strange love one of these days
0: (laughs) (laughs) or yeah you're doing upgrade and you're sitting there waiting for someone with
1: two two people with 20 percent to like show up when they wake up or whatever upgrades are the only time where we need to really have like strong coverage you know how do you guys like do you guys use a we've got all of our discord alerts filtering into like a common discord channel for that. But I find there's still like, you kind of have to surf the channels and kind of keep up with things. Cause you know, it's governance and how are you Calpa guys? Calpatech. Calpa, it's great. Calpa Tex, uh, he does a great job. Shout out Adriana. Yeah, Shout out that uh, I just started
0: using not long ago. Their, um, their discord, uh, not discord, their um, telegram bot to uh keep a track of gov proposals so basically every time a gov proposal comes through their bot picks it up and spits it out into your own personal channel um, in telegram pretty handy um, I, I check them like once every couple of days on all the networks we validate anyway as uh, my personal methodology but it's good to get a prompt um, you know if i'm doing some other stuff and i forget about it and then it comes up on the calpatech bot uh, incredibly handy um yeah yeah so anyone else got any like uh
4: yeah tricks sorry
3: I use zapier it's uh zapier. Modular cloud type thing and I have that uh um, watch the r s s feeds for github releases oh hmm. uh,
0: yeah yeah so you actually watch
3: the actual
0: so you actually watch the the GitHubs for their actual uh, tags? Yeah. So
3: um, as soon as there's a new tag, method. I know, and I'm like, all right, I've got a Gov proposal, going to drop any minute now on whatever chain, you know. So
2: you sh- you should parlay that into a bot <laughs> for sure. uh, for Telegram. <laughs> I was doing that uh, using Panic, which is which is for Telegram. And I found that to be kind of unreliable. Sometimes they just post tags, whether they mean for it to be the next release or not. So it became one of those things where, like I started paying attention to it, but there's so much basically false noise that I almost immediately started ignoring it. Probably within the first yeah. month of it, setting it up. Same mm-hmm. If you're anything like Juno, you would have like a thousand
0: tags before we actually do a release. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So what yeah.
1: you're, about,
0: <laughs> you're about to yeah, say... um. Know on uh, how do you how do you do it at stakefish
4: oh yeah so we also have the um, the tag tracker but yeah also for us it's not that useful uh, because sometimes uh, something get tagged but it's not time of the upgrade yet so we have of course a governance tracking system that it's custom integrated with our um, business uh, slack And um, we also use Discord aggregating all the different announcement channel to single one and keep track of that also on Slack. Yeah, we use many tools. And in general, we have basically one dedicated person for like nine networks or something. So it's a lot of manual work. Yeah. One one person per nine networks. Is that what you said? For now, it's yes. It's like this only because the protocol team is not that big, but we aim how, to expand. Yeah.
0: How many networks are
1: Stakefish validating on?
4: Yeah, around thirty.
0: Thirty. jeez yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, they, they do. They, they do everything too. They're, they're not going easy mode. All Cosmos chains. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's, well, that's a big number. Um, oh, I know, Shultz, sorry. I think it was, I think it was Shiltzy. Uh, you guys used, used to, or still have, um, your discord channel, which also aggregates the, uh, announcement channels of a lot of chains, um, quite handy as well.
2: Honestly, uh, I think that was a good idea to start, but with how many channels there are on there now, again, it just is basically completely turned into white noise, um, and some of the networks I don't even, we don't even validate on. And so again, it's just one of those things that notifications pop up so frequently that aren't necessarily worth following that again, it's just something that comes in then like, meh, Mark red, move on. <laughs> Man, there's like so many bloody everyone,
0: um, tags. It's just so annoying that I think you should just, you know, not do that. If people are subscribed to the channel or haven't muted the channel and, you know they obviously want the notifications but why have it it's a notification channel don't like at everyone every time you do a bloody notification because then you just wake up in the morning to a thousand notifications and you're like uh,
2: oh god don't i don't have four hours to read all these <laughs> yeah exactly right and the funny thing about that is that zach from easy Steak and i actually got into it once over me using at everyone because there was a uh a genesis that was happening and like half the people got their genesis wrong because I was just reviewing them and I had everyone. I was like, Hey, everyone like got this wrong. You, you basically all need to go in here and fix this. And now I've like come full circle where now I've told people like, Hey, you're at every way too much because he came <laughs> in and like shamed me for it. I'm like, yeah, well, I guess what's the quote, uh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain something like that. Definitely. It's very true. i so guaranteed.
0: You have to be yeah. I think you have to be everyone everyone just take take this note. Be sparing with the goddamn everyone or the here. Or <laughs> well, the here's not so bad because you probably subscribed to that channel if you get the here but just just think twice before doing the everyone because it's fucking annoying. Um, and I got chipped once for doing the everyone <laughs> back in the day. And I don't think I've had everyone except for maybe one or two emergencies uh, since. But um, yeah, man, it's like it's just too many. So uh, can kind of parlay into what we were going, what what we're going to talk about today. Um, and I think we sort of came up with the idea that we might talk about uh, security um, and and people's various methods of uh, validator security. So I know that um, for example, Schultze and myself, uh, or maybe, maybe, no, sorry, that's um, Pokachu and myself sort of subscribe at the moment to about a similar model. Um, Schultze, I'm not sure what you're using and I can almost just assume that um, Todd uh, is using Sentries and um, and Dimi, well, Steakfish would have probably centuries for every chain, and Jack is a Horcrux man, as far as I can tell. So
1: we've oh, all we got we we are we are all Horcrux all day here. That's strange love. We are we all we are all, all, all in on. Uh, where did you guys go? Oh no, I lost you. There you are. Um, yeah, we are all in on threshold validation. Extremely important. I can I can sit here and talk about threshold validation for hours if you want. So,
0: I I think. Um, starting with me because I'm happy to talk about it. I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm gonna put down um, where we're at and where we're headed, uh, and then maybe if we just do a, a quick round robin of the room, and um, if people are comfortable to talk about their security, you can give us a quick heads up of um, your method. Um, so at uh, at King Nerds, when we first started out, we we evaluated, um, you know people's security methodologies we talked to a lot of different validators um asked them what they use found a lot of people were using centuries i found a lot of people probably said they were using centuries and aren't um and others didn't use centuries and so we were deciding whether or not to use centuries and and trying to think of why we might um instead of just automatically using them thinking of why we might use them because as a junior validator We didn't have, you know, a big budget to be spending um, on extra infrastructure at the time. And so we came up with the methodology that we would start out without um, uh, sentries while we were like a low risk um, operation uh, and not really a target of anyone. And then as we grew, we would um, look at implementing sentries. So... Further to that, I kept uh, poking lots and lots of people and asking, um, you know, the the pros and cons. And in the end, we decided not to run Centuries um, because we couldn't see, uh, other than um, people trying to protect themselves from DOS attacks, um, we couldn't see a huge benefit for them if we're already... um, being able to hit all of the the blocks and not miss a sign. So, I mean, a lot of people use centuries as a way of getting global coverage so they don't miss any blocks when they're signing and others are scared of um, DDoS and others are scared of people being able to gain access to their box um, to get keys. So there's various ways to keep keys off your box. And there's also, I think various- that's
4: like
1: all of those are great reasons for centuries. Like this is, this is why that's like the first, like, you know, if you're going to run a validator, everyone says, like, don't do it on one node. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I think that, you know, the recent North Korean attacks on a couple of bridges are a great sort of harbinger of what's to come in this space. Um, you know, the Internet is one giant PvP game, and we're going to see more and more of that. So, you know, don't run with one node. The easiest and first thing you can do is run multiple centuries. That. Provides reliability, an extra layer of security. You know, if you're keeping, if even if you're running a fully a full node for your validator, at, on a node that's completely disconnected from the internet and only connects to P2P through Sentry's, like that's one barrier. You know, somebody can still pwn your OS, get into your Sentry, and then jump from your Sentry to your to the back node in, in your like once they're in your protected environment. But like that's one. It's at least a really important one. And then the next step that you can take after that is either Horcrux or TMKMS. TMKMS is a great other step. You know, that gives you a lot more operational flexibility. Once you divorce the sort of state verification function of validation from the signing function of validation, you have a lot of flexibility in your deployments that you didn't have before. And TMKMS um, with the sort of soft sign is like definitely the easiest way to do that. so, like, that's th- those are sort of the next steps. And then you can do kind of all kinds of fancy stuff in terms of, um, you know, making sure that your OSs are automatically updating on all of your nodes to protect against the common set of attacks that come through these internet connected endpoints. Um, you know, what Demi just led for the last Juno thing security upgrades for the individual chains are extremely important. You know, one thing that we as validators don't talk about a lot is those upgrades bring in new versions of Go continuously. They bring in new versions of the underlying HTTP libraries that often fix critical security vulnerabilities that would allow an attacker to get into your Go process, break out of that, and then into the host beyond that. Um, And, you know, like many of these things, if you go read security reports of serious hacks, Like, it's a chain of vulnerabilities that are used to dive deeper and deeper into these systems. So, the more and more sort of defense in depth you can put up as a validator operator, the better chance you have um, of resisting some of these attacks. And Orcrux is another one of those defense in depth. You know, right now, if you're somebody who's going to steal some Orcrux keys, you're going to have to get a couple layers into the validator. You're going to end up with these keys. And then you're going to have to write the cryptography to reconstitute the whole key.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of where Horcrux is going, and that's ultimately where we want to be, um, is running Horcrux. And I think it's probably the closest thing you're going to be able to get to being able to run like a five nines as well um, because of the, the redundancy and the ability to sign on every or any node um, so if you have one go down for any reason like um, you know if the supplier goes down um, from the internet connection, one of, one of the big problems is if you, if your validator node is behind a um, in terms of uptime, one of the biggest problems is if your validator node is on one supplier and you lose access to it uh, because their internet's gone down, you stop missing blocks but then you can't pick up on another spare node, um, or use one of your sentries because if you do and the other one comes back up and you're not quick enough to catch it, then you can potentially double sign um, and brick your node, oh, you brick your validator, um, perma your validator. So um, pretty, pretty tough situation when that happens and, and you don't have access. So something, um, as you mentioned, Jack, uh, TKMS is a way um, to manage that as well as uh, Horcrux. So, um, particularly around uptime, Horcrux is awesome and security, Horcrux is awesome. And we can't wait to get onto it. Um, we just have to do more more testing. Uh, I think making the leap on the first network scary is um, hard. Yeah, scary. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> setting
1: it up for the first time is scary. And, uh, the yeah, first time I did um, it, uh, it was the Polychain code. So it was like there were zero guardrails on that thing, and it wasn't even really tested. Like there were no tests. Like the Polychain team handed to me, they're like, "This is what we run. Like you want to try it? Go for it." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm cool. Like I can run this code." And I like played around with it a little bit. Like I spun up a couple local networks with it, and I was like, "Pretty sure this isn't going to double sign." And I was like, "Okay, I'm ready to do this hub upgrade." And it was the first not for zero height hub upgrade. So. I've got this like priv validator state file that my like single node signer had had prior to that. And I'm like looking at it and I'm like, uh, okay. So like what height do I put in these state files on Horcrux? And there's like two state files on each node on all of these Horcrux clusters. <laughs> and I'm sitting here SSHed into all the machines manually setting the height in all of these state files on Horcrux. Cool on this upgrade and I turned the thing on and I'm like, and now I have to wait for 30 minutes for my hum nodes to come up because it was like a horrible startup. And so I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, maybe I've already fucked myself. Like, I don't know. And I'm not going to know for another 30 minutes. <laughs> it was so nail biting, but yeah, it's, it's not nearly as bad as that now. And like, it's it's much better understood. So Um, It's still scary though. And I think the instructions tell you to go out and uh, take a walk or have a drink after you, uh, after you finish it. I do. Yeah. I I remember uh, I read those, the initial set of
0: instructions like months ago. Um, Certainly probably had updates since then, but uh, it seemed like it was a nail biting experience. Just reading the instructions.
2: (laughs) Do we know, do we know who all is using Horcrux? Or is it just Strange Club that uses it entirely? No. Oh, entirely? Um, I know there's a few people who have publicly said they
1: run it on a couple of networks. Um, Coffee Validator runs it on all their networks. Uh, Larry from Delphi Digital runs it on at least two networks. Um, there's a couple of Luna validators that I know that run it as well. Um, most of those Luna validators are like just validating Luna, so for whatever that's worth. Um, and then I know there's a lot of folks like maybe running it on Chihuahua or Cerberus or some of these smaller chains to kind of test it um, but I'd say there's probably like five or six other validators who run it for all their networks yeah the like the the
0: telegram um, that you have for that Jack yeah you can there's not not a lot um, and I think it's probably yeah, probably the same reason
3: why I'm not there yet is. The fear. <laughs> the
2: fear.
3: i yeah, jump. jump soon. I've got the playbooks together. I've tested it on test nets. Um, can you hear me okay now? Yeah, uh, You're still a little choppy, but I, I can definitely hear you. Come come join us, Todd. You come. It's, it's good. Yeah. The dark side. I'm on my way. Yeah. So, Todd, um, jam that microphone
0: up to your face and give us, like, the quick rundown on your setup if you're comfortable with it. I, I assume you're using sentries and...
3: Okay. Uh, so my my standard setup is three centuries in a validator, um, validator and on one century in the same data center, and then the other two on different providers. Um, Some So are, are you running like a
0: um, uh, f- say for the for the private network? Do you run like a, a wireguard? Um, mesh or do you just yeah. use firewalling?
3: I do or? actually use a WireGuard mesh, but I allow the, um, the nodes to talk directly to each other. I open up those ports uh, between them. Um,
0: and, so, and like whitelist the IPs or something like that?
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, because um, running it over a private network requires you to turn on that feature. And I, I think that might actually be, you know... Um, you don't want to do that. I don't think you want to publish your um, your private nodes in your address book because then people can see that, right? Am I wrong there?
0: I think if you don't have peer exchange on, they don't gossip the the private um, addresses. I could be wrong.
3: I mean, I guess you do kind of have to be careful with it, but I, I had less reliability using WireGuard. Um, so, and, you know, I honestly see <laughs> a lot more, like, like you said, how it, it ensures stability, so um, I've got a connection to another another data center. Always, you know, um, that's that's the big thing for me. And you, you were mentioning earlier about how uh, you, you see downtime in a at a data center. They fuck up their BGP table and it's offline, right? Well, one way to help with that is um, I always configure my uh, validator node to connect out on IPv6. And my sensory is connected on IPv4, and that saved my ass on a number of data center outages, you know, because usually the network goes down for IPv4 or IPv6, but not usually both, unless it's a hardware thing. So that that helps a lot. Um, Yeah, other security things. I think one thing (laughs) a lot of people screw up is using docker and um uh ufw which is the the simplified firewall um and they don't realize that docker anything you publish on docker um gets put in the chain before ufw rules so you got all these people running nodes out there and containers that have their rpc exposed and stuff like that so you know and it so I always use IP tables first of all, and you know if the provider has a firewall, I use that as well. But um, let's see what else, um,
0: Todd. Todd, is your um, you've got like some like an analytics type thing uh, as one of your websites that, from memory, crawls uh, open two five five seven ports, right, for probably yeah. all these people fucking up with Docker.
3: So, so <laughs> what's really strange is when when you do a peer exchange it gives you the rpc endpoint um for the node so um and then you've got the ip address already so if it's all zeros just i just try it and say hey give me your peer list and that's how i build those maps so
0: (laughs) yeah um probably also got the most robust list of rpcs in all of cosmos
3: well, yeah, it's all <laughs> that – that is done horribly, actually. I don't actually have a list. It's all stored in memory, and then it's dumped out as a gob <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Just a big map. Um, let me see. What's uh, – osmosis, I think, is the biggest right now with um, 226 open RPC nodes. Um, wow. So. And, That's and pretty massive. massive. Yeah. So, oops.
2: <laughs> I um, feel like you should share that list with Tom so we can add it to restake.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just extra nodes to use in case. <laughs>
2: yeah, load balance against it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Imagine that. Just uh, getting taking everybody's <laughs> open RPC and just load balancing it with like a <laughs> smart balancer. <laughs> It'd be like, and then just you know that's that's the networks uh uh
2: big RPC super super distributed it's honestly really not that bad of an idea like if you're doing it for not bad things like restake then do it let's just do it testing purposes
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: dimmy what are they doing over at uh stakefish man you guys just century the the world
4: uh, so I'm not sure how much I can uh, <laughs> share about the state fish Infra, but yeah, we follow all the best practices. We have remote signers. And yeah, of course, the size of the Infra depends also on the network we are going to validate and how much is uh, delegated to the validator itself. But yeah, we always have a base layer of security that follows all the best practices and maybe for some more like Bigger networks. We also have uh, some extra. One one thing that I'm not sure um, if anybody else is using is the relayers, and I'm not speaking about relayers of IBC, but relayers between sentries and uh, validator. Uh, I'm not. am not sure if oh. someone is using that or. Uh, I know a couple people. Yeah.
0: What What was that question, Jimmy?
4: Basically, oh. in the this is some next level, shit right here. And yeah, it's basically another layer. So you have uh, the sentries that are connected to the world, the relayers that are connected only between the sentries and the validator, and then you have the validator itself. And um, it was quite a common thing in the early stage of Cosmos Hub. Right yeah. now, I'm not sure how many people are still doing that. And I'm not even sure how, if it's like useful or not. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's
1: another layer of defense. Of yeah. yeah. I know Polychain was, I think
4: Occlusion still does. Anyway. <laughs>
1: and what about, um,
0: Dimmy validator?
4: My validator, yeah. I also follow the best practices. I have, uh, sentries almost everywhere I validate. Uh, yeah. Except one network. I'm not going to tell you which, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> Like not profitable, so one node is more than enough. And uh, <laughs> so, do you, do you try to keep those light with, um,
0: you know, state syncing and stuff like that?
4: Um. So I always use a uh, default pruning. Like I don't like to have uh, pruning everything or to state sync and not have the full history. I'm not going even on even on your centuries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have default almost everywhere. And I also have some, like totally separated node that I use maybe as archive or even more history. Like I don't like to run my validator on uh, on some pruned state. I prefer to have all the history. Um, so yeah, this is my setup. All my sentries have default pr- pruning, and also the validator. Interesting. Cool.
3: Yeah, I actually started bringing up a bunch of. Archive nodes just for taxes, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Todd, you and me both. I maintain full
1: archives separate from my validator on every network I run on, and then I'm only keeping the last state of the network on the sentries. So, like, real thin.
0: So, with um, Jack, with your so, y- hang on, sentries, Horcrux...
1: uh. Do you have end, Horcrux? Yeah. So we do uh, our setup. I'll just tell you the whole thing because we've open sourced it and it's publicly available for anyone who wants to give it a try. Uh, We use Google Compute um, for our cloud and we use their GKE product, the Google Kubernetes engine. Um, We have two separate Kubernetes clusters. So one Kubernetes cluster is three machines underneath it. And we do three sentries on top of that. So one sentry on each machine. And those sentries are state synced on networks where it's available. We use snapshots for networks where it's not. And uh, those sentries are only keeping the latest state and then throwing out anything new. There's no indexes. We keep them literally as thin as possible. Um, And on that Cluster, the only port that's available is 26656. The Kubernetes control plane is private. Everything else is private. The only thing that's open to the internet is 26656. And then we have how dare you not to use kosh? I know, Adam. I know. Very not on brand for me. It's sad for me too. Um, and then we have the Horcrux cluster and the Horcrux cluster actually reaches out to the Tinder instances to connect. So the Horcrux cluster does not have any open ports. It's an entirely separate cluster and it's even more locked down than the, the other cluster. And in fact, there's a jump box that's also incredibly locked down that is the, is the only box that has access to the Kubernetes API for that cluster. So we, a defense in depth type setup. So, you're, so you've got your Horcrux swarms.
0: Let me just see if I've got this um, understood. So you've got your Horcrux Swarm under a couple of layers. And then you've got – so when you say sentries, they are
1: all of your nodes um, that can potentially sign. So here's how it works. All three of those nodes are connected to the P2P network. They all are validated. They're all, like, flagged as validators. We turn that ProVal thing on. And what that does is it opens a port on the Tendermint instance. That port is only available to the Horcrux cluster. So when Tendermint starts up, it waits for five seconds for something to contact it and say, "Hey, I've got a pub key." Um, and once that happens, then it's connected to the Horcrux cluster in the back. So the nodes start up, the Horcrux cluster sends the pub key to them, and then they know what validator they are. Yeah. When, so it's just it's just the terminology between uh,
0: yeah uh, yeah so so your validators are your centuries essentially yeah. yeah 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 um yeah so there's just uh, when because you know the terminology just uh you know when you traditionally think about what a, what a century and what a validator is and then you yeah. sort of mix together in that um yeah. in that sense yeah so yeah. you're not having like your your cluster of like s- nodes that can sign with the pub key from um your uh your horcrux swarm then yeah. behind like another layer
1: of centuries it's the the same thing where yeah. all of them can sign yeah yeah um, i mean you could you know do another layer like Demi was talking about with the relay nodes um there's a number of things you can do there you know i what my thought on the scaling of this is is to do to auto-scale the cluster. Also, there's a change coming to the Tendermint privval where instead of the Tendermint instance opening up a server that then waits for the pubkey request, the privval server is going to have to open up a server and Tendermint is going to reach out to that via a gRPC thing. So we're going to be doing that gRPC conversion and re our architecture a little bit um but yeah that's the that's how that works. Where was I going with that? I, I had a point there. Well I,
0: I have two questions. Yeah. Um one, on uh like is is that pretty cost effective on Google Cloud to do it that way considering how thin those nodes are on the Kubernetes cluster?
1: And I two, mean is it is it cost effective like we are still profitable on all the networks we run on. I'll say that. <laughs> Make five cents. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, is it really
0: expensive uh, no. in comparison to like a traditional setup?
2: No,
1: I, I don't think it's crazy expensive. You know, I okay. ran, I used to run them um, just on raw VMs and like the price on the, the additional cost for the Kubernetes cluster is minimal for Google. Um, yeah that's pretty minimal. You know, what the additional cost is, is like on osmosis, we have to run the the pricey CPUs. And, you know, if you want to run the expensive disks, then that's like a 10 X increase in the monthly cost. I think we're running like, I'm going to quote you a number and I feel like it's off by a hundred dollars or so, but I think it's like about $650 a month for the three node setup and sort of standard, standard config for us that's kind of the in my mind what the number is for what a validator costs a month for for us to run one and uh
0: the second question is do you feel like a dgen not having history on your validators (laughs) no no you're good yeah (laughs) so obviously you keep your own separate um archives uh, like like you said archive nodes and is that on like junk hardware or is that we, uh,
1: yeah I mean they're they're generally run on cheap hardware you know again some of these you do have to run them on fairly expensive hardware just to keep up with chain tip so you know that's like those archives are a fucking beast um, we actually run three different classes of nodes so we, we have the the super thin sentries and then we have relayer nodes those relayer nodes keep an unbonding period of data um And then we have the full archives for, as Todd mentioned, paying the federal government. Um, So yeah, that's,
2: that's kind of our setup. (laughs) Um, Shilti, man, we haven't got to you. I mean, so while I appreciate the conversation we're having here, um, well, I guess let me go through first what we do and then I'll um, kind of do my caveat. So, well, no, no, no. So, I guess I'll just jump right into it. So basically, we're talking about like centuries. We're talking about like validator specific best practices. But one thing we haven't really touched on is, in most docs you see on anything, you see that you're supposed to use like root the root user for for your validator, right? But the reality is, I don't think I don't think many of us that are experienced use root. But a lot of the docs assume you use root, and all docs docs are written for it. Um, and then Wait. in order to note, go ahead. Note. No docs I've ever written have. <laughs> All right, that's fair. But most that you encounter do, because if you then add in the complexity of saying, okay, you should have this user created, then it just adds one more layer of complexity to creating the docs. Um, but I think that I think it's tough because a lot of the validators that spin up are still using Root, and they don't know to actually turn on, even their UFW settings it's the very base level of protection, right? So there's just two things that I can guarantee you fewer than 50% of validators use. One, users, or you could even go so far as doing it so that users um, the, the specific user doesn't have pseudo-access because you could have like you could have it such that a user doesn't have pseudo-access it does all the files and then you like go into Roo or some other user that has pseudo-access to that it starts up the the machine itself, right? A lot of people don't do anything like that. They're just using root. They have no firewall settings. Um, now they probably have the benefit of not having their RPC open because you have to manually make that change for most networks to actually open it. Um, but otherwise, like they're open to the world, full stop. And so we're having this conversation about, you know, what best practices are we doing? But I don't think that's the most effective conversation to have to make it the best conversation to have. We're talking like the advanced stuff. We should just be talking yeah. very low-level stuff. Hey, whenever you start up your machine, one, update everything. Just update your security things. Restart if you need to. Great. After that, then you create a new user. Don't use root. And then log into that and do everything from there. And then add a password. Turn off uh, password logging in. Only use SSH keys. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, use a UB key in order to lock your SSH key. Things like that. You know, so there's, there's this entire conversation to be had that honestly should be written as a medium article or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the, the people the, love Relayer uh,
1: Invalidator medium articles.
0: How about like, um, Schultz, I'd be happy to like collaborate with you on that because, yeah, there should be like a best practice for, um, you know, lower spec. Like when I say lowest spec, I mean like, you know, general general validators like you're trying to get to because there is like the extreme level, like Jack, which is on the tip of the security spear. There's like security professionals like um, Todd, who just couldn't possibly see himself not doing things a certain way. But then there's like, you know, there's a lot of entry level validators and there's a lot of mid tier validators that either, you know, don't have the resources to provide that. Um, and, or, and, or don't have experience to know those best practices in the, in the lower space. And I think you're hitting it right on the, hitting the nail right in the head with, um, there's just so many basic things you can do to protect yourself, um, from the outside world. And, you know, for the most part, like, even if you've just locked it down to your, your P2P port and your, um, And even if you do have SSH open, which is not a good idea, but, um, you know, when was the last time there was a zero day on SSH if you've configured it properly with no root and, um, certificates. So, um, there are a few things you can do to get yourself set up more protected than just, you know,
2: YOLOing in with root and copy pasting yourself to glory. Exactly right. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, so I come from a software engineering degree and so... I'm happy to go write code, but I didn't know too much about Linux. I use Linux daily because that's where a lot of code is written, but that doesn't mean I knew security practices. So for my first network, you know, I was one of those people who just copy-pasted in. And then I was like, well, hold on. This doesn't seem like it's quite right. Like Locking straight into root doesn't seem quite right. Or if you're using Contabo, uh, I think you, you're defaulted to Ubuntu. Um, and then like I stumbled upon, Jack, I think I have you to blame for the century note architecture right it's it's your article from 2018
1: right um i funny enough i posted that article greg uh greg from uh fucking cephalopod wrote it um but yeah i I mean like i i have been the century note advocate you you can blame me yeah that's fine I didn't realize
2: you were the one that wrote this.
1: Yeah. Uh, No one does. This is probably the first time I've, well, I think I've said it on podcasts before, but no one ever remembers. So I was like, oh, it's Jack. And I'm like, yeah, they kind of, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I posted it. Greg didn't want to create a forum account because he didn't want more accounts. So he was like, Jack, can you post this for me? Um, But yeah. (laughs) Greg, Greg from Akash? No, Greg from uh, a Greg that nobody knows, the Greg behind Cephalopod. Oh, oh, cephalopod. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I, I actually, I reached out to Greg to get him on the show here in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully we've got that coming up
2: Greg uh, from a, a cash. That is
0: from a cash. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick plug. Don't know what we're going to talk about, but I hit him up anyway, <laughs> I guess a cash. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, sorry, Shiltzy. Um, I don't believe you really finished your, your story before I butted in and, and
2: started agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, I mean I guess that's the end of it really, is that um, you know, there there's so many small things that can be done before we talk about centuries, before we talk about horror crux, before we talk about TMKMS, that would be far more beneficial for let's say the everyman um validator rather than us hardcore extreme. I'm on twenty five networks or so run twenty five extreme.
4: extreme. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Do so you um, think we yeah. should provide some documentation? Like Tutorial how to put some base layer security to your nodes. Like Yeah, I think I think, I think
0: that, that, that is definitely one. something that we need to work on, Schultzy. Um yeah, because it, it is very important. And um I think it probably should be prominent in like, you know, the um like network documentation, even if it's just a link to something that um, validators have collaborated on. Just as, you know, if you're gonna if you're going to YOLO into being a validator, here's some baseline security that you should probably observe. Um, and, you know, from a documentation perspective uh, for for, network, for networks, um, I guess it's kind of assumed that, well, I've always just assumed. I, I don't actually know if I'm specifically right to make a non-privileged user, but um, I guess I've just always assumed that people would be, using a a non-privileged user and that. Um, uh, And that's why I always write sudo, just assuming that they are. Um, But I guess that works the same as if you just have root and write sudo, you just don't have to type a password if you've got password sudo. Yeah, basically right. You just bypass it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So kind of important and kind of not addressed
2: anywhere really.
0: Okay. That I'm aware of.
2: I've signed myself up to begin a Medium article. Got it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, I'll i, I, would, I
0: would happily work through that with you, man. Um, you know, there might be things that both of us do. There might be things that either of us do or, or what have you. So, um, as no, base layer security.
3: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. No, no, go. That was done, Todd. I've oh, been okay. talking forever. Uh,
3: I, I find that automation really helps with this stuff because it's so hard to be consistent every time. You know, if you're running... Somewhere I think it's somewhere around 20 nodes, it starts to get to the point where you can't always remember what you've done where. And <laughs> having automation tools to build that stuff, be it, you know, if you're doing it in the cloud, something like Terraform or um I do a lot of hardware, so I, I use Ansible. Um and um but having the security built into your playbooks is a great way to ensure that yeah. It's always done right, because I can't tell you before I started automating stuff how many times I went and I was like, "Oh shit, my RPC is exposed on my validator." I'm, you know, stuff like that, you know. And it's like, um, so having a little bit of DevOps experience helps a lot with the security aspects. And um, and every time you make a mistake, um, you just put it in the playbook, and then you won't make the yep. mistake twice. You know, so infrastructure
1: is code. Shout out, Todd uh, Mateo says one of the better validator articles is from Todd. So uh, t- take some notes, guys.
3: Oh, thank
2: you. Oh yeah, Todd. Todd has single handedly uh, made our lives of under five much better on multiple occasions with tender duty. Even just today, he was helping me debug something that was going sideways. But there have been many times where that's that's saved us. Tender duty, I'm
0: assuming, has saved my life.
3: <laughs> it's I've hilarious because it's 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 like 200 lines of code <laughs> it's like most so simple best, the things are. Heard, right?
0: so yeah man but like huge shout out to that piece of uh oh, of, I, I resisted it at first i resisted it at first and then once i i used it i was like why did i not get on this train earlier it's just the most <laughs> simple but most effective piece of like um, and it's, it's like the first uh, line of security, of, not security, but the first line of knowing whether or not you're signing. It's like the, the base layer fundamental thing. Did you sign the block? No, here's a warning. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there might be things going wrong with your box beforehand, which hopefully you'd pick up in other, um, with other, uh, you know, monitoring and alerting. But if it comes down to it, and then that's you know everything else fails and then that's the last line of defense like did oh. you sign the thing no
1: is a warning
3: as a validator you have one job
1: sign blocks sign blocks gotta <laughs> 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 gotta to, got to keep a key online and secure that's it yeah exactly um anyway
0: so what if you guys want to talk amongst yourselves for a second i have to
1: figure out where we go Talk amongst in. yourselves
0: well, I mean, the phrase not here, direct traffic. So usually uh, when we stall, uh, he, he keeps the things going. But I can't
1: remember what the things are, so I need to go back do, and look. Do we, do we have some fun sound effects? Can you just, like, can you make sound effects happen?
3: Um,
0: well, last time, I made, last time I made any sound on here, we got, like, um, what do they call it uh, on YouTube? When you get, well, like... Yeah, <laughs> we had to like just DMCA. Yeah, we had, yeah. had to like just make a big blank uh, bit in there when I
1: pulled up a meme.
0: And, At least um, he didn't get, get shadow
1: banned. That's a Twitter thing, right? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a rumor. Is, is it real? Who knows? Who knows? Jay, so claiming he's been shadow banned. A
0: question we've had like from, um, I'm not sure whether this came through YouTube or Twitter. But, and I think we might've almost asked it uh, last week. Um, So can you run a validator with no coding experience? Does anyone want to take a stab at that?
2: Ooh, I could definitely (laughs) take a stab at that. Now I do have coding experience, but uh, I've helped numerous validators get started that have had no coding experience. Um, I think really the only thing that's required is some level of curiosity. I think that's the thing that really bring, like, sets you up for success is like setting up the validator. Like At this point, I can set up a new node in, let's say, five minutes, but even that feels like a long time for what it can take. Um, your first time, it might take 12 hours. You're running like eight lines that you copy and pasted, somehow it takes you 12 hours, and you don't know how. Um, <laughs> but as long as you're curious and you keep going, it, yeah, you can totally do it without coding experience. Play, play, I am. Pay. I am yeah. confident
0: that if you jump onto the Uni2 test network on Juno, you can be. You can not even have bloody experience in a CLI and have a node up
1: within half an hour. <laughs> is there a? Do you, do you have a link to the Uni2 stuff? I have a one of my lawyer friends is interested. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I'll pull it up while we're talking.
2: Yeah. Uh, to that end, yeah. I, I want to actually talk about Uni Two a little bit. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, okay. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Um, uni Two. So that's Juno's test net. Um, one of the things that Juno does especially well is the orchestration of their test net, and I think that's really what sets Juno up for success. Um, there was the transition, but I think basically transition between what, Uni One and Uni Two was, I think. What created a lot of us is good validators because it was something of a, a gauntlet of issues that we found and security holes. And so we were breaking it like daily. There was like six back-to-back Genesis transactions. There were issues that somehow we just kept working through, working through. It was almost like a boot camp. Um, and it's not like that anymore. You're not expected to be there 12 hours a day every day anymore. But during that one transition period, all led by the fray, um, that made me certainly a far, far better validator than I was before that.
1: That is that is the best way to get better at validation is to deal with crisis. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> that, is, that is the hard part of validation. The hard part of validation is not like sitting there calmly trying to get your note up and then you're like, how do I connect to this peer-to-peer network? Or like, how long does this thing take to sync? Um, which is always something that newcomers are shocked by. And like, why doesn't my computer just work immediately? Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like when Demi is like desperately trying to find you on telegram and it's like, did you upgrade your binary to version 2.5.6? Cause if you didn't, you're <laughs> fucked. Like that's, that's, that's that real validator <laughs> shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Tell me, uh, the days before, uh, governance upgrades must have been, uh, enjoyable.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> it was very <really> funny.
1: <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I think Dimi did too. I,
0: I imagine that's why Dimi is so good with the, um, the spreadsheets for like, uh, readiness, the readiness spreadsheet. Sure. You can bust out one of those in like 30 seconds.
4: Yeah, like a gato. Yeah, that was a throwback.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what is good um, about test networks for anyone who is is looking to like become a validator that watches this or looking for information like how to become a better validator. Besides the information that other validators put out um, to help new people, is that don't if you can help it, don't go straight to a mainnet like you know a lot of people yolo into some um into some low value main nets or even high value main nets if they can get a gathering but recommend just jump in and spend a little while at least in a test net because you can do things in a test net that you can't do in a main net you can attack yourself you can beat yourself up you can ask other people to beat you up you can um you know spam transactions you can try to break things without annoying people um you know, you could, there's just so much more stuff you can do to test your your own skills, and also to benefit the network by testing the network. So, if that's if I had any advice for anyone who wants to become a validator, um, play around in test nets, get familiar. Don't just YOLO straight into a mainnet um, because it's not only it's not yourself. Um, even if you are proficient in, in like Linux or or whatever you need to run that network. Um, you know, it's not just your money. Uh, if you get jailed or you, you double sign yourself accidentally, um, then that's other people's uh, funds that you're playing around with as well. So,
3: yeah, I mean, some of the stuff we went through on uni was fantastic, you know, killing a network by um, messing up state on a bunch of validators, trying to recover from a bad block. My to be fair, we did
0: that on mainnet as well. So,
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a little different, but, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you know, when the ethmost thing was happening, people started seeing the same things and I was like, dude, you're screwed. Just turn off your node and wait for somebody else to start signing blocks, you know? And if you don't do that, you're going to double sign. And then what happened? I, you know, everybody double signed. So
0: I, I remember you saying that in the, in the, um, I'm pretty sure you
3: said that in the chat. Is it like, you know? Anyone who's I'm not, like, I'm not a validator there, but I, I, I was. Oh, I just some some of you guys somewhere else, and yeah, somebody mentioned that they were seeing this air, and it's like, oh, the, yeah, that's what happened on Juno. Just stop your node now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just stop like your you're, you're when anymore. there's a new block.
1: So, when is evemos going to come back? Can we like uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, let Yeah, let's go, come on, want to see it? So in
0: there it was like. Yeah, they literally were telling people in the validator chat to like resync your node after you put down a signature, and then yeah, explosions happened. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I believe that. I I don't think um, I don't remember seeing like any uh, public uh, announcement yet that it's coming back on Tuesday. But I believe it came from the last community call that it's coming back on the twenty sixth. Um, is what I am gathering I made a tweet about it but uh, to
4: be fair I copied what's that Dimi I didn't saw any official announcement as well
0: no so only a few validators have tweeted about it that I've seen and I think it was from the last community call um, I tweeted about it but I copied it from friends so if it's wrong blame friends not me <laughs> <laughs> Just retweeting the news, people. Retweeting the news. Um, that's how quality yeah. journalism. Yeah, that's uh, that's how um, it happens now, right? Someone makes a tweet, and then uh, CNN picks it up. Um, so we usually round out with, and I think I think we're we're at about an hour. This is like where we try to start to round out these episodes. Um, we usually try to round out with a question again, and. Um, it is what are you most excited about this week upcoming so you uh, start with you dimmy if you've got something you're excited about man
4: um yeah about the raw calculator <laughs> i hope to ah, finish yeah. like today or tomorrow yeah
0: i think you're not the only person who's excited for you to finish the raw calculator I think
4: uh, a lot of people want to a get on there. In. And yeah, I know there is also a lot of people that are unhappy for some decisions that have been made. But I can tell to them that there is a, there will be a dial, so we can do something later as well. Potentially, do something later. Of course, course.
1: they write checks you can't cash, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so like, like with uh, raw like Dimi, Do you want to talk snapshots? I, I think, think
3: he's like, God, no, please, please make it,
1: it stop. <laughs> so, um, Demi, Demi uh, is always, it going to be like. A, he's like, I'm just taking snapshots right now. I'm like, I, I got it on this other screen over here. Like, I'm just snapshotting. like, we're like months snapshots. of snapshots, Guys, <laughs> just snapshots. So, snapshots. is it going to be like a just
0: put in your one address and done job? Like, you can put in any address from all over the cosmos and it'll just
4: reduce it back to like the hex and then go from there? Uh, it will be similar to Neta, so there will be a page, you connect your wallet, you claim, that's it. If you add multiple wallets, of course, you have multiple claim to do. Yep. Awesome. Chilty, man, you got excitement? Uh,
2: yeah, so I'm actually really excited for the Secret Network upgrade next week. Um, I've been here since Secret 2 and we're at Secret 4 right now, and this will be the first upgrade that doesn't require a hard fork. And that sounds pretty minor, but I'm pretty stoked about it.
1: Shelty, after we did uh, I'll just say 20 on the order of 20 for the first upgrade where it didn't require hard fork, I was just like, this isn't even an upgrade. What is this? So easy. Yeah,
2: Yeah, Asaf <laughs> It feels good. <laughs> it it really does. A soft sent me the instructions to review before he posted them, and it was like, it was the normal six steps, like fetch GitHub, make install, restart node. Okay, you're done. I was like, oh, man, this is great.
1: <laughs> this is fantastic. I could do that all day. Also, shout out Asaf. Uh, he was the one who finally root caused the uh, the contract issue on Juno.
2: Yeah, Asaf is absolutely fantastic. fantastic. I interacted with yeah. him fairly frequently, and every single time, he's just fantastic. He's such a great person to work with. He's
1: awesome.
2: We should get him on here one day, Shiltzy. Ooh, he might be into
1: that. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'd love to have a soft on. That'd be fantastic. All right. Jack, you up? looking forward to something, man? Am I, You're what, not am done I yet, right? Yeah. I'm not done yet? <laughs> Fuck. No, you, <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is the work ever done? Am I looking forward to something? I don't know. We're making uh, uh chicken cassoulet at night. So we got some okay. chicken. We got some chicken broth. It's beans. We got some mirepoix, you know, just doing the thing. So that's what Struggle I'm to, re- to tonight. Struggle
0: to remember to eat. That sounds delicious.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have not eaten a lot today. So I did I get some eggs around noon, which is like better than nothing, right? Um, like a so. boiled egg? Oh, no. I, I, I made some uh, sausage and eggs. Scrambled. I prefer mine scrambled, personally. Cool. If I'm feeling really spicy, I'll fry one. <laughs> that's uh, yeah.
3: Todd. Oh I don't know, man, I'm I'm just glad I'm not sitting around trying to balance ledgers to figure out how much I earned for my greedy uncle. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you're looking forward to not have to do any tax calculations. <laughs> well, I, I've got I've got a lot of work to do yet. <laughs> oh, I'm still still slogging away at it. All yeah, it- but I'm, you know it's it's nice that I can take a break for a few days and you know I got my estimate in. It's probably right. I don't think I'm going to jail. It's all good.
0: <laughs> our our tax isn't due until the end of like, well, our tax year finishes at the end of June, and then it's not due due to like May the next year. But um, I just so May's coming up, so I'm still doing tax from a year ago, and uh, I I put on a a crypto Dog. bookkeeper to figure it out. <laughs> Because it's just I completely lost track. It was actually, de- I, I, I degenned a bit in Define and it's just like so hard to figure out that I just um, had to get a bookkeeper, man. I just don't have the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so I guess uh, what am I excited about? Oh, I was talking to uh, Juice, uh, Juice Labs deuce 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 labs yesterday and i can tell you that i am excited about juno tools being released whenever they get released oh it's it's ready yeah it's ready and so when when it goes mainnet i'm excited so i can drop the bloody king token and people can stop asking me about it because it's got the Merkle drop built in, and I've oh. been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and copying so much. <laughs> king shit,
1: king shit. Just been getting hosed by everyone. When king, it's uh, it's coming. I, I'm, and, I'm personally really excited about Juno Tools. Strange uh, shout out, Strange Love Engineering team who who built the front end there. It's uh, it's been exciting. Did they?
0: Oh no. yeah, so sorry. I, I gave I just gave credit to um, Juice Labs, but can you tell us who's involved other than
1: other than those guys? Juice Labs and then the Strange Love Engineering. Juice Labs uh, built the first version of the front end, um, and then we came in, did some design on it, helped them with a the logo, built out a lot of the functionality on the front end, and they kind of focused on the smart contracts. So yeah, you know, Strange Love, uh, if you need front end engineering, holler at your boy. So I just walked through that
0: yesterday with Finn, yeah. um, the front end, and uh, he walked me through it,
1: man. It's, it's pretty slick. Um, Greco crushed it. He did a great job with it. And then my buddy Max did the, the logo and the visual design. It is,
0: it is very nice. Actually, the, 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 um, the logo is super crisp. Like it's just, I don't know how it is so crisp, but it's crisper than what anything else displays on my monitor. And then the logo is just like, it
1: almost stands out of the page a little bit. I don't know how you did it, but, um, Max, uh, Max is a great visual designer. I, I love his stuff. He, uh, I've known Max for, I'm about to say the number of 15 years and, uh, we went to college together. So anyway, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> well, man, he's, he's, knocked it out of the park. Um, yep. So I
0: guess that probably brings us to a close for uh, today, unless anyone's got any final words.
2: Uh, it's some strange coincidence that putmos is here, but Javi isn't.
0: Yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> um, the alter ego coming out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming.